Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we're going to be talking about Lin-Manuel Miranda. So we're going to be focusing on In the Heights and Hamilton. So it should be a fun little conversation. Uh, But before we get into that, just a couple of quick housekeeping notes. Of course, we are taking listener support. So you can subscribe to the podcast now. Head on over to our anchor page or in the show notes. And with that $2.99 a month, just $2.99 a month, you will get bonus content like an upcoming Freaks and Geeks episode. Uh, We will be doing more fanfic in the future, and you only get to hear those episodes if you pay that $2.99 a month. Plus, right now, you can only hear our Christian Bale episode if you are a subscriber. Plus, after six months, you will get the opportunity to either be on an episode, including one of our live streams, or select a topic for us to discuss within reason. That's all within reason. Like I get to veto certain things, but head on over, excuse me, head on over to our anchor page once again, or click on the link in the show notes. Okay. I'm going to have my panelists introduce themselves and tell me one thing they're into right now. Judy. Hi, my name is Judy. And um, I finally watched um, Winona Earp recently and absolutely fell in love with it. I can't recommend it enough. Um, I know there's a lot of Supernatural fan listeners because we talk about it all the time, but like imagine Supernatural with like amazing female characters with um, LGBT characters that are allowed to be LGBT that has a fantastic ending that acknowledges bisexuality, like everybody's arcs finish the way they're supposed to. Um, Yeah, just like it's a fantastic fun show with with you know they're demon hunting it's supernatural stuff and the characters are fun and quirky kind of like supernatural but it corrects a lot of the stuff we don't like about supernatural so (laughs) i highly recommend it to anybody and we should totally do a a podcast about it (laughs) that that is on my list i was gonna say that that's on my list because i know uh i know that uh, tanya loves that i know um aaron the other aaron loves it i know meg just she just recommended that the other day because she just started watching it because Aaron recommended it. So I know it's a big, big fan favorite. So it's definitely on my list. I actually have it on there for next year. So because this year is already packed, unless we decide to do a special bonus episode (laughs) or something. Um, But yeah, we definitely will because it's one I think we have to. And I know people are still fighting to save it, right? Isn't it still? Well, the last season came to a a good conclusion. Like if it ends there, I, I I'd be happy. Would I enjoy another season? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, if they if they make another one, I'd I'd definitely be happy. But I'm satisfied with with where it ended. Okay, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I've got to check it out too. It's on my long long list. It's so good. You'll love I know, it. That's what I've heard. That's what I heard. <laughs> I know. I've got to check it out someday. And then Susie. Well, <laughs> any who know me know that I'm. I'm very much a kid at heart, 
um, even if you did not know this previously, you're going to find out now. I love cartoons. They're like some of my favorite things. I love like watching cartoons on TV and seeing animated movies and stuff. So recently, I'm going to, oh my God, I'm exposed myself. I've been rewatching My Little Pony Friendship is Magic because it's just, it's a fun, silly time. I've been working a lot on a lot of crafts at the moment and it's like the perfect like background noise to have on and then occasionally just like look up and, and see like, oh, bright colors, yay, and then continue doing whatever we were doing. It's a good, it's, I like it. It's a good show, man. <laughs> It's a good show, man. I just like yeah, the way you said that. It's good. <laughs> it's good, dude. I remember collecting my little ponies. <laughs> you know, as a kid, I grew up with, I think, a Pinkie Pie and a Rainbow Dash. But with like the, it was like the original ones, like the little plastic ones. I remember having those. And I always, I don't know why, but I always wanted to like scratch off their little uh, like birthmarks in the back. So, Because as a kid, I was always like, is this printed on or stamped on? So I would always just like try to like like mess with it and then I'd feel bad and then try to repaint it and it just ended up like a globby mess on my little high leg. <laughs> Maybe Aww. some someday we'll do an episode about like your childhood favorite cartoons. I mean, as a lot of people know, I wasn't I'm not a big cartoon person, but I think it would be a good show to do for everybody else. Like, yeah. yeah. I think that might I be need fun. a prop scroll. So I can like do this and then have it unfurl. <laughs> well, then we'll, we do it as a live stream then so that everybody can see it. <laughs> yeah. So just like, and here we go. It'll also yeah. be a very cartoonish thing. <laughs> awesome. Well, this is Aaron. And I know I already mentioned it as far as like bonus, but I am watching Freaks and Geeks for the first time, which is really surprising to me because this show is so custom made for me that it's um, shocking to me that I've never watched this show before because number one, it takes place in the eighties. Number two, the music is so up my alley. Number three, it's focused on freaks and geeks. I mean, hence the title of course, but those are the people I hung out with in high school. So it's so up my alley that I just can't believe it took me this long to watch it. So I'm really enjoying it. And once again, we're doing an episode on it, but you can only you only be able to listen to it if you subscribe for $2.99 a month. So <laughs> plucking it away again. <laughs> okay, so let's get into Lin-Manuel Miranda. So we're going to just be focusing on In the Heights and Hamilton, of course. And we are also going to talk sort of about his impact on musical theater and in general. So first, though, we're going to talk about In the Heights and... Judy, did you see In the Heights on stage? I saw the touring version. Yeah, I, I didn't go to New York to see it, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I saw the national tour. Awesome. How was that? How was that play? It was good. It was really good. So I, I definitely enjoyed it. It was like fresh and new and different. And, and I didn't. So when it came out in like 2008, um, I had two 10-year-old boys and was not like, you know, <laughs> I didn't have a whole lot of time to pay a whole lot of attention to, to musicals, but the Tonys every year is kind of like my Super Bowl. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I did watch the Tonys and I remember seeing that performance and thinking, wow, that like looks really cool and different and unique, you know, with the rap and hip hop and like very street looking styles, you know, it didn't have fancy costumes. They were in shorts and cut off t-shirts. So I thought it looked really cool. So about a year or two later, you know, when they did their national tour, 
Um, I went to see it locally when it came around and I definitely remember enjoying it. Like it was, it was fun and, you know, bright colors and great music and, and all that. But I do like one of the things that I felt not just about the, the, the musical, um, the stage musical, but also the movie, it's just a little anticlimactic, you know, and I think maybe for Lin-Manuel Miranda, this was like, it was his first big thing. Yeah. Um, he's telling his own story, you know, as compared to Hamilton, which has, you know, just kind of the great, this fantastic source material. But um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I really enjoyed it. I watched the bootleg with the original cast, but I just felt like it was a, it's a story about dreams and, and, People, you know, it's about everybody's different dreams. And really, nobody gets their dream <laughs> for the most part. You know how, like, it, when, you're, when you're watching a lot of musicals, especially, or even movies, books, whatever, when that big climactic moment happens, when the hero saves the day or kisses the girl or, you know, whatever it yeah. is. You know, there's that big moment and there your chest tightens and you get goosebumps and you're just like, yes. <laughs> um, I didn't get that, you know, with within the heights, either the play or the or the musical, which was it's okay, but um it I guess it kind of takes away the like that impact that you remember forever and ever, where that some other musicals had on me. Um, so it, it's not one of my favorites, um, but I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. And, and did you see it on stage, Susie? Well, here's the little here's a little secret about moi. I had the distinct privilege of being in the in the Heights musical of my high school production. High school production. Yes. <laughs> so That's so awesome, though. I was like, yeah. I'm a tour? Um, or- <laughs> I know. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, just- <laughs> Just like a little me, just like running around on stage with it. <laughs> in the Heights. Um, no, no. Um, yeah. The, so In the Heights is a very special place in my heart because the first ever musical that I was a part of uh, was in high school. And the musical that we did was In the Heights. And so I, I wasn't anyone important in the show. I was just like a background actor. <laughs> just one That's of important. Just, I was just one of the chorus. <laughs> I know, but before anyone gets like, oh my gosh, she was, she was Vanessa or Nina or so. No, no, no. I was just like, I was one of the neighborhood people, you know, just keeping it real. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was one of the, um, the, the, the kind of like the background chorus cast. And it's like, whenever I think about it, like it's, and I'm going to get into it with the movie adaptation, but it had such a special place in my heart. And just like seeing that story being told, especially as a Latinx individual, and like seeing like these stories of of this community play out on stage, where it's actually something very like similar to what you can also see from like within, well, especially my own community, where I like I know people like that, and I've met people like that, and I'm gonna I'm oh, I'm gonna cry, <laughs> but um the role of um, Abuela Claudia. <laughs> I'm going to cry getting into it now. She's she's like very special to me because she reminds me of my own like mother and my grandmother and 
I just I really like the show and I never got to see it um uh any like train production or whatever but I did see the pirated version online whoops <laughs> me too many like, times yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wanted like, to see it starring Lin Manuel Miranda so yeah. I'm like I gotta find this and yeah I've watched that a bunch of times too, so yeah and then shakes and yeah. all <laughs> yeah and like after like that musical was introduced to me then I got I was really excited about like seeing like the the different works of Lin Manuel, and so when I heard that he was doing Hamilton, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be really exciting! Oh my god, it's gonna be more stuff!" And then having a show with like the um, with, like the purposeful like POC casting, except for like the one token white man who is plays the comedic role, where in like other musicals probably or other shows it would be like a switched thing, and mm-hmm. I thought that that was really like cool and fun, and I'm just I. I, I just I, I really like in the heights and it's it's just really special to me and I'm gonna I'm gonna stop before I like start crying more. <laughs> you know, those musicals that we are in as even if they're high school mm-hmm. or kids, they always hold such a place, a special place, even if they weren't great musicals. Like I was in the pajama game. Has anybody ever heard of it? No. I've but I can that. still <laughs> sing, you know, the pajama game is the game we're in. You know. <laughs> <laughs> they are yeah. special to us. Very true. Know, that's yeah, like a, mm-hmm. that's like a perfect slumber party uh, song. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a union. The whole the, oh, the musical. Really? It's about it's mm-hmm. about a, a company that makes pajamas, and they're trying to form a union to make more money. And they get super excited because they get a seven and a half cent raise. <laughs> oh, it was from the fifties. Yeah, no, I think that's very true. You know, I know there are plays that I've been in that mean a lot to me or I've done little bits from them and they may not be the best things or may not be like of the highest caliber or, you know, but they mean something to you because you were part of them no matter what, even if it was a little part, even if it was like, you know, I mean, I remember doing like just scenes from Steel Magnolias when we were doing like and so to me there's a scene in steel magnolias that just every time i see it it just means a lot to me because i remember doing that scene and so yeah i totally totally understand that and i love that that you were in that that just makes this episode more special i think just because it does it does because and i know you said you weren't a big player or whatever but you were still in it and that's still impactful yeah, it, it's it's not help like the fact that I was in it and that it's so dear to me isn't helping the movie's case at all. So, <laughs> oh, you mean like the controversy stuff? Is that what you're not not no. even like no. the controversy? Just like the let me, I could talk like days and days about the major story changes that they made. Oh, I that see what you're saying. Okay, and, okay, I see. Like what you're saying. the ooh. Well, and we're going to get into the movie now because I have not seen this on stage. So sadly, so I'm not going to talk about that. We're going to get into the movie. So I know both of you have seen the movie version. So Judy, what did you think of the film version? Okay. So the movie adaptation, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I love the way it presented New York. I just, I love New York, you know, the energy, the, just so many things about, things that are presented about New York. And this was kind of a unique perspective because usually, um, you know, a lot of times New York, uh, we get the downtown, 
you know, sort of glorified version of, you know, think friends or sex in the city or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, just, just a little neighborhood. Um, I really thought that was a a neat way to, to tell a story. And some of the musical numbers I think were really well done. And I I love the unique way that they did like the pool scene or the dancing on the, the wall of, of the building, like just some really beautiful visuals and the music was well done. So um, yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the movie. I don't, rem- I know Susie had mentioned that there were some changes. I don't remember what they were because it's been a while since I've seen the, the um, play version. So I am interested to hear what Susie has to say about it. <laughs> I know she said she, she was telling me she has a lot of notes. So <laughs> I'm ready. Let's hear it. <laughs> okay, Susie. <laughs> One of my things is that they killed off Nina's mother. And it's it's like, cause oh my god! Okay, so in the in the musical, her mom has a number where she's basically telling both her husband and her daughter to like get their heads out of their asses and like communicate and like and talk to each other as a family and to like get over themselves and work together and talk and. Like, even before when Nina tells them, um, hey, I left school because I had to work two jobs and I wasn't able to do that and continue doing full time, like school full time. Her mom's like, what did we ever do to make you think that you couldn't come and talk to us so that we could work this out together as a family, that we wouldn't do anything and anything and everything to provide for you in whatever way that we can. And it's and like they killed they they freaking Walt Disney'd her in the movie. And I was like, no. <laughs> Who made this decision? Also, I say this mainly because, um, okay, so the director of In the Heights, I think is John M. Chu. I don't trust the man. <laughs> I don't trust him. He, okay, he previously did um, a Gems and the Holograms movie which was like universally tanked like that movie was only in theaters for like a week or two like that's how bad it was it's it's it wasn't a good adaptation and ever and i i freaking i really love gem the holograms and like that um like mishandling of that film and such like it kind of put into me a little bit of a distrust with him like i'm not willing to trust him as easily but when he when he um, when he made Crazy Rich Agents, I was like, oh, I, I came around to him a little bit. I was like, okay, you're you're still on probation, but this is we're, we're doing some good work here, sir. And then just ah, uh, well, I mean, like the visuals in the movie are so good, and just like the choreographed scenes, and like I think my most favorite one in the whole film is Paciencia and Fe, where um, Abuela Claudia is like singing about how she has to like keep working and how she has to learn English and then like the quick chorus behind her is like learning less and like all this and it's just oh it was it was so good but just like some of this some of the stuff I kind of felt was a little bit sort of like kind of mishandled in a way as well because well Nina's whole thing especially where she's like I kind of left school because I felt like there was a lot of like she left because she felt there was a lot of exclusion racism, which granted is something that um, people of color face, 
like in whatever in whatever like new environment that we go to, I thought that the fact that there was also um her having like in the musical of her having to work like two jobs and having to keep up with school full time also really like helped round out her character and added a lot more depth to it. And I feel like losing that part kind of didn't really do justice to her storyline like, personally. And like the whole thing with with Benny, where he, where, like in the musical, he he really like looks up to Nina's father, and he really like he's seen as an outsider by by her dad, and he really tries to do what he can to like make to at least earn his respect. So there's even like scenes in the musical where he tries to learn Spanish, and we lose some of that in the film, and I think that's kind of like. It's it's also part of like my issue with the fact that there was a lot more attention paid to the Usnavi and Vanessa uh, romantic storyline because we also like in 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 the show we also have Nina and Benny's and that's like a whole different arc in of itself and I feel like there was a lot more um, like there was a little, in. I feel like in the show there was a lot more of like an equal focus between the two different like romance stories. Like yes, Usnavi is still kind of like our main character in the show, but there's a little bit more of a balance with, with what stories are being told. And I feel like we lose some of that in in the film, which also kind of like diminishes the kind of like their impact, I feel. Um so I feel that everyone that was cast um, in the movie, especially, I feel like they did such a good job with the characters that they were given. But a little, a little bit of my issue, and uh, was what I've also heard from a lot of people as well, is just like, is the colorism in the film because Washington Heights is a primarily Afro Latinx neighborhood with a lot of people who live in it that are darker skin. And the movie had either people that were very light-skinned or white-passing. And I feel like there was such a missed opportunity to really, like, cast people with darker skin tones and, like, get that representation out there. And I know that Lin-Manuel issued an apology that it was never his intent to, like, exclude anybody and he wants to work towards, like, bettering that. And I know a lot of other people have come out in like support of him, of like, hey, you can't criticize this man, and blah, blah, blah. And granted, he he isn't the only one that should be held accountable because I believe the casting directors for the film were also white people. Mm-hmm. So they also have an inherent bias as well when it comes to casting, whether they think they do or not. I mean, that's just, it is what it is. But I, I've, I feel like a much better job could have been made. And I feel like saying we shouldn't criticize this man. We shouldn't criticize them all just for this. Like, okay, maybe that's that might be how you feel, but also, it's like by us criticizing them, we're not saying that we don't necessarily enjoy like this this work of art. Like, you can still enjoy certain like movies, creation shows, certain products of art, but still. I think that we all need to make room to allow for criticism and then we need to make room to like accept that, digest it, and then think about, okay, so this is where we drop the ball. How can we work towards bettering that? Like, oh, we dropped the ball on 
And I, I also heard like similar complaints. I feel like this is kind of a problem also with John, that there's also similar complaints with the um, Crazy Rich Asians movie, mm-hmm. that there were also like issues with like colorism and and light-skinned, white-passing casting in that film as well. So I do feel that there's like, this is something that needs to be worked on, like not only in... um. And just like in musicals and shows, but in like in everywhere else, because there's always ro- there's room for everyone, guys. <laughs> We're not mm-hmm. like you can always like strive to do better, and you can do better, and that that is a possible thing. And like also a thing that I feel about, I think that I feel that it should have been done with in the Heights before the movie was ever even made is that. I have very strong feelings that I think Broadway production should be available, like at least a filmed version to the general public. Because I agree. like I'm I'm a musical theater nerd. <laughs> I love musicals. I love like hearing the soundtracks and watching the bootlegs online. But I feel that just lit just saying, oh, you can only have access to seeing like a, a live, like just seeing like the original cast, you're seeing like live production of the show if you pay like exorbitant amounts of money for a ticket and yes i i do get that there's reasons for why that is because like the 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 actors the stagehands the techies like everyone has to be paid and stuff but i feel like also like there's people that come from like lower economic situations that would really love to see some of these shows and they might never get the ability to and i feel like it's theater should be shared with everyone and i feel like if like with Hamilton, like I know they're talking about making a film, like in like a film adaptation of it as well. But something that they did beforehand was that they released like the whole, like the whole film show with the original Broadway cast. And I feel like that was such a good, like that was such a great thing to do because that makes it so much more accessible to people that may not able to be to go see it like live. And in turn, that brings in like more admirers of of the art and of the because not everyone who watches like Broadway shows are doing it because they either want to be like a singer, a dancer, or an actor. Like they might be people who really like like the set design or the light design, or people who want to be in charge of like of the technical aspects of it. Like having that available to a more broader public also like opens up those like avenues of inspiration for other people whose whose focuses aren't necessarily like like actor based or thespian based essentially. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that would have probably like gone really well for in the heights because as of now we only have like the original Broadway soundtrack to to kind of like bounce off of if any of us have never seen the show. And I feel like it it would have done them better to, I, I, I don't know, I think there was talk that there was like a filmed version of In the Heights, but it hasn't been released yet either. Um, I feel like it would have been so much better to either like release that beforehand or just release it sometime soon after this film because it's, it's another, um, like let's say you watch the movie and and you like listen to the to the um to the album beforehand and that's the only basis of comparison that you have 
and you're just like, well, I want to see these played out in front of me, like in person. And I feel like even like if you watch the movie and you don't see what parts you expect to to have in it, that can be a little bit disheartening because you're like, well, it wasn't exactly what I wanted, but at least I have something. And in a way, I feel that's kind of like sad because if if you do want to see like the original production, you should be able to without having to like go to either like put yourself in debt or go to like these ridiculous links just to like watch the show that you like. Yeah, it's well, like, and some things never get a tour even. So yeah, and some things never even get a tour. Yeah. There was a there was a, a Back to the Future musical. There was a Back to the Future. <laughs> there was a ba- Oh, that, I didn't even that know. How did I not this. know this? Hold on. That's okay. the movie that so, got me into movies. So so pre so pre COVID. There was this Back to the Future musical being made, and it was going to get like a, a, a tour before uh, featuring on Broadway. Mm-hmm. But then COVID happened, and oh. it all shut down. Mm-hmm. So there's like, we don't, even, we don't even have an official album. Do you know how cool it would have been to see some of that stuff executed <laughs> on stage? I think I have a different feeling on that. <laughs> I don't know. I, well, I was thinking of... Them, of- I don't know. Or even like, I feel like there's well, some important stories being told, um, like yeah. the the George Takei musical. You know, it 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 was pretty well received, but it only lasted a little while on um, on Broadway, and it never toured. And it told the story of Japanese Americans in internment camps. I mean, that's yeah. like a it's an important story that doesn't get told or taught much at all. Um, and it would have been great if they'd made a professional, you know, professionally filmed it and in some way distributed that so that 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 story could reach a broader audience. Yeah, well, and I think that you have it for posterity too. True. Yeah. Well, that's and that's that's a criticism of Broadway that you hear a lot is yeah. Broadway can be very elitist and there's a lot of classism there and it's very oh, hard yeah. to see things and. And so I think that that is a very, very valid criticism because it should be made available to the general public, especially when you have when you have plays where people are being able to see themselves for the first time, yeah, where you have like, like that, then that should be open to people to be able to actually see themselves. Yeah, <laughs> where you have like diverse stories being told mm-hmm. and in like musical and in, in theaters and shows, you get so much more. You get to see so much more than what would have to be in like a like a one to two hour film. Basically. Yeah, like you get a lot more like details and and just the artistry. Met like for me, up until like I liked musicals up until I was um, cast in in the Heights, but I always in in a I always liked them, but in a way I always felt that there was like some sort of disconnect because I never really saw myself represented in any of them because they were very um i think eurocentric could be Mm -hmm. considered the term right right. so when i saw this musical where it was like in it took place in the latinx neighborhood and it told latinx stories and and it featured people that like i could like that i knew like represented on stage like even myself it was very it was it, it further added to like, oh my god, there are diverse, like, there are these diverse stories being told, 
And I never, like, I never would have found it out had it not been for that. And in a way, that's kind of, like, I feel like that that also does, like, a disservice to, like, the, to, to the people that are in the minority. Because there's stories out there and they're being told, but because there's not enough, like, attention put onto them, as opposed to, like, a, like, a white or Eurocentric story, they're not really gonna know. Because I didn't know. And when I did find out, I, it was like, oh my god, I'm being represented. Like, people with, like, my stories and people that look like me are being represented on stage. And this is and this is a creation of a man who is also part of, like, the Latinx community. And it was, and he, like, he got it. He, like, got that. Like, Piragua, yeah, we have a paletero that comes by the neighborhood every summer, and it's such a joy to see him. It's it's kind of like that, and it's like, oh my god, oh, and it just it brings you so much joy. And I feel like, and especially that further adds to my thing of like having it be more accessible reaches out to like the theater kids that are like either POC or in like a sort of minority. It it puts it out there for them to like find and see and go, oh my god, yay! Yeah, I definitely. And, and I want to, um, well, first I'll just say about seeing it in a theater. I saw it on Dolby digital. And so that's like the loudest you can see a movie. And that's the best way to see this, I think, because then you feel like you're actually watching a musical because you feel it literally in your seats and you feel it. And it was great. I remember after the first, the opening number, that I applauded because I had heard a lot. I, I've been hearing stories of people were seeing it in the theater and people were applauding after each number and all that kind of stuff. And I only ever feel the need to do that when I'm watching something that's like a musical, because you would do that in the theater. And I did that and I saw it with my mom and my grandma. So uh, my grandma was sitting next to me. She's like, yeah, I wanted to clap too. I just wasn't sure if I should. <laughs> So it was a great, it was fun. It was, you know, being able to be back in the theaters, number one, is just, that's my happy place. And I can't wait to actually go to see a play or see a musical or something like that, too, will also be just this amazing experience. I'm sure I'll cry at that, too. Uh, so it was, I, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I clapped at the end. I thought Anthony Ramos, I think he is so good. He's just so good. I thought he was just tremendous, amazing. I like him in general anyway. Um, so I thought he was great in it. Um, I, I do think the colorism criticisms are very valid and, you know, you will see the backlash to that of people saying, well, if we keep criticizing this, then we're never going to get any representation. No, you can still criticize stuff. That doesn't mean you're saying, you know, poo poo on this, or we don't want to see this. It means you want to see everything and nothing is above criticism. In my opinion, nothing is above that. And just because you critique something and just because you criticize someone doesn't mean you're automatically saying, I hate them or I hate this piece of art because we have critiqued numerous things on this podcast that we love. And yet we still can find where it needs to improve. And I think when you do that, when you look at something through a critical lens, that's the way you can help to improve it. And that's the way you can help to, to grow, in my opinion. I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda is not above criticism. He's just not. Does it? And just because you criticize him does not mean you don't love him or appreciate what he's done because he's done a lot. It just means everyone can do better. And 
you know, there's a video circulating. I can't remember who did it. I should have looked it up where they were being interviewed, the cast and the director were being interviewed and they were asked this question. Well, why aren't there more Afro Latinx people in this? Why is everyone lighter skinned? Why don't we have, why are only dark skinned people, the background dancers? Why don't we have more of this? And, you know, basically they just said, well, you know, it just, wasn't available. Those people weren't available. We couldn't find, you know, th those kind of reactions. I'm not quoting it word for word, but it was that kind of reaction. And you hear that a lot. And that's not true. That's just not true. It's just people don't like to be confronted with that or hear that or see that. So yeah. And I'm going to let Susie jump in because I can see Susie wants to add something desperately to this. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you literally, you could have, you could have brought in Lupita Nyong'o. You could have brought her in. I know There's she a can lot sing, of and she's great at acting. Yeah, but also the fact that she's like she's darker skinned as well. And if you want, like, I know that most of these like movies and shows, they're that when they're doing film adaptations, they're like, we need to bring in a big name. She's a big name. She might be Guys. expensive though. <laughs> it's and I know they said they animal. wanted to bring in new names too. They wanted to give yeah, lots of new yeah. people a chance. Yeah, and there's well, a lot I mean, of but yeah, I agree there's with also you, but, yeah. a lot of like darker skinned like new people and actresses Absolutely. who could be brought in as well. They would it deserve and, a break. Yeah. 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 It, but That's it's very much it's BS. When they say that, it's just it's a lame excuse. It's oh, it, it, lazy. It's it gets lazy. me so much. I'm like <laughs> Which is again, this again has put John on probation for me. Like no. Like you're on thin ice, mister. <laughs> That ice is like way for thin. You need to watch your step. Yeah, because I liked Crazy Rich Asian, Asians, yeah. but it. I mean, but the criticism is fine. I mean, that can be valid too. And you know, I think people, you know, are afraid of. I don't know. Like, I think people are afraid that if you criticize any representation, they want to say that means you're not going to get representation because you criticize it. And that's not true it just means people want more representation and once again it goes into the theme of this year of everybody deserves to see themselves on screen yeah. as a fully fleshed out human being three-dimensional character living a life and you know it 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 means something and when people say it doesn't mean something that's because they've been able to see themselves their whole life so. yeah it's it's kind of like like to put it in in simpler terms, I feel this is how I think of it in my head is like when you're serving a pie, okay? And some people they get like a bigger slice of the pie, plus ice cream and or whipped cream on the side or with it. And sometimes mm -hmm. you get a smaller piece with nothing else at it, and you're like, "Hey, where's my ice cream? Where's my whipped cream? I see you have it right there. Why don't I get some? You know? It's like yeah. don't don't be greedy. Share the whipped cream." Share the ice cream. Share the goodness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we were going to talk about that next, the criticism of colorism. And we have talked about it a little bit. Judy, did you have anything you wanted to add in on that? Um, sure. Yeah. So I I definitely see the validity of, of the criticism. And um, Susie, thank you for sharing your perspective as a Latino, Latino woman. It's It's really great to hear how you feel about it. Cause you know, my perspective as a white woman is very different, I'm sure. Um, and uh, so thank you for sharing that. I, I love your insight. <laughs> um, and I agree. I mean, there is plenty of opportunity 
um, to to find a more diverse cast to make sure the cast looks like the community that this um, is supposed to represent. So um, I think critique is a very good thing. That said, I do think we need to be careful on the left, we tend to eat our own. <laughs> so critique is great, but I think we need to be cautious that we're not canceling people who are really doing great work in, in fields like diversity or whatever. And Lynn Moran, I do that all the time. Poor guy. <laughs> I, I tongue twist his name all the time. Yeah. But I think he's doing way better work than many others. And he's at least attempting it. And I think he did his apology, his response to the critique was very on point. He listened to the critique. He absorbed it. Um, he, I think he, he felt like he really took it to heart. Um, he sent a heartfelt apology and a thank you to the people who had brought this to his attention and a promise to try to improve. So, you know, it's about continuously evolving and improving. And I think that that he will take that critique to heart and really try to try to make his work and everything that he participates in a little better for it. Um, and that's what critique is for, right? That, that nothing is perfect. We shouldn't just accept it because, you know, they say good is the enemy of great, right? It, it was good. And it was, it was really good to see um, a film about Latinx people in, in this diverse community. Could it have been great? If with a little bit of changes, yeah. So I think the critique is good, but I do think as as people who are trying to make our communities and our, our society better, we also have to proceed with caution, you know, that we don't cancel the wrong people. Yeah, and that's why I think, I mean, I, I yeah, and I think if Lin-Manuel Miranda hadn't responded the way that he had or he hadn't actually listened, I think, that would also serve as a lesson and something to sort of critique as well. But that's, that's what I mean when you're, when you are saying when no one is above criticism is the fact that he took that in and I'm sure that'll change the way he approaches things in the future. And yes, he has done incredible, amazing things. I mean, the type of musicals he does, um, and how diverse his cast is. And of course, we're going to get into Hamilton here in just a minute. I mean, Hamilton's cultural impact is just amazing and just profound. And there's just no way that you cannot see that. It just is true. It just had a profound impact on society, on entertainment, on media, on everything. Um, and so, yes, you definitely don't want to completely cancel him out because he's contributed. Unless he was to all of a sudden do something that really was worthy of that. But the fact that he did take it in means something. Whereas you have people like Rita Moreno, Moreno, who basically said, you know, this is BS and we shouldn't be criticizing this. And, you know, that, that to me is not a good response. That to me is just not wanting to listen. And, and um, you know, so that, that to me is, the bad way to take this in. Whereas what Lynn did was just a better way to sort of receive that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, before we move on to Hamilton, I just want to make sure Susie, is there anything else you wanted to add onto that or respond to that? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, that like, no one is above criticism and everyone can, 
can like grow and learn from it. I mean, that's what we like. We humans are basically Pokemon. We 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 take hits. We we win some stuff, and we learn and we evolve into like keep Pokemon. leveling up. Yeah, better <laughs> versions of ourselves. Essentially, yeah. Um, well, so just like really quick, uh, Rita did issue I think an apology later on. Oh, she did. Where yeah, where she says that she apologizes for being dismissive of the black lives in the Latinx community. And she, she, I really find it funny how at the end she puts, see, you can teach this old dog new tricks. Like, <laughs> oh, Rita. <laughs> like, some of the stuff with, with that um, celebrities um, tweet, I'm like, you, you probably should take a moment to, like, think about this. Maybe, like, step back and let this ruminate while you elucidate the possibilities. And then we can move forward. Yeah. And that can happen a lot. That's that's the impact of social media is you get the immediate instant Oy. responses. And then... <laughs> like, can you, can you, like, can you imagine... We're all thinking about the same thing right now. <laughs> But this week's drama. Are we though? Oh my gosh. Are we? Take a minute and just think. Pause before you hit send. Just pause pause for a minute. Could you imagine like although doing that in like ye olden days with like town criers? (laughs) Like like John has decreed that it's a travesty not to be involved in the new production of so-and-so. Oh, <laughs> and then my people like, hit like on that with your bell. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's funny. Now I want to see a reenactment of things that happened this week. Oh done like God. that oh my gosh <laughs> can, that, can that be can that be and like two a- brute <laughs> two brutes ding ding oh my goodness two seconds coward. for the nine o'clock news coward <laughs> coward oh gosh the drama punch and judy just acting out the <laughs> oh my god well, let's move on to Hamilton because, of course, that's the one that I think people know more. And I want to say really quickly, I think part of the reason the box office wasn't big for In the Heights is not – I don't think it's because of the criticisms that came out. I think part of it is we are still in a pandemic. Another part of it is this is not as well known as Hamilton, and so it's not as popular. And I think that kind of hurt it a little bit, to be honest. So I want to say, I think that's why it didn't do well. Musicals are a hit and miss thing when they're adapted. Not everybody loves them. So, you know, I know my sister, she watched it on HBO Max. And that was the other thing that took away is that it's also on HBO Max at the same time. So some people don't want to go out to the theater. But my sister does not like musicals. Like she hates musicals. But she's like, maybe I can watch this one. And she said, I made it through about two minutes. And I went, nope, this is not. <laughs> so that's the thing is some people just cannot handle musicals at all. So, but Hamilton was this, I think Hamilton took everybody by surprise because everybody pretty much talked about this. Everybody, people that weren't even normally into musicals. This was one that I think crossed over and there was so much representation and, and just, 
an ama- amazing songs and the songs even hit a little differently. I think like, I think sometimes people don't like some of the big operatic musical numbers. And I think some people felt like these weren't big operatic musical numbers. Um, and so I want to talk about that sort of just the phenomenon of, of Hamilton. So Judy, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. What a juggernaut. I mean, it just, wow. <laughs> you know, it, it came onto the scene and, People that hated musicals or thought they hated musicals even loved this one. So really uh, an amazing thing um, for the whole whole genre. But I think it also showed uh, Miranda's growth, right? Like as a a writer, as as um, an author, and it had really compelling source material, which I kind of hinted on before, like, Lindman Memoranda's story of In the Heights was a little bit more of a contained story of one one little neighborhood. It was his story, which was relatable to some, not relatable to others, you know. Um, but the story of the founding of America, of the beginning of the longest running democracy in the world, you know, like just yeah. it's a story that everybody knows, that everybody wants to you know, that, that can interest everybody. Um, <clears throat> and so I think he had some really great source material. And, you know, over that decade from one to the other, he had developed his talent for writing. I think the, the songs are better. The the rhymes and the, and the rhythms and the way he puts them together just became more complex and interesting. Yeah, it just, I just think he did an amazing job. And, you know, it, it took Broadway and pop culture by storm. Um, it was really fresh and new and exciting and, and something that we hadn't really seen before. Um, you know, a musical it may have had a little bit of that here and there, but we hadn't had a, a rap, R&B, hip hop, opera, basically, ever. Um, and the whole um, casting of mostly, you know, Black and Latinx um, people in roles of white founders was just groundbreaking. Like, who would have ever even thought of that before? It's it's just such a um, genius move. But more than that, it's the story, right? It's about, it's about where we, where we've been, where we can go. It's about this country constantly trying to do better. Like, we were just talking about with critique, like, there's always room for growth. There's always ways to, to make a better future, to make a better, more perfect union, if you will, um, for the next generation. So it's it's those very relatable themes, I think, that that everybody loves, um, you know, and stepping up and seeing what's wrong with your country and, and taking the action and, and to, to make it better. So I came out, came around at a right time and it's just so motivating and inspiring. And it tells the story of America from an immigration immigrants point of view, which is really unique. Like we hadn't seen that much at all. You know, we usually just see America is the, you know, white European settlers dream, but this really put, really said America is everybody's dream. It's it, it and it's accessible to it should be <laughs> accessible to everybody. The American dream 
isn't just the white European settlers, you know, it's everybody that came here is everybody that was here originally. And no matter how they got here, whether by choice or not. Yeah. I just, I just think it made that whole American dream that we all talk about go from this, this limited thing to showing it as, as something bigger and that should be for everybody. And I think the other notable thing about why it was so big and such a, um, big impact socially and everything is that um, Lin-Manuel Miranda also, he made it very accessible. Um, not, not with ticket prices, <laughs> jeez, <laughs> but by giving away tickets to New York city schools. So, so kids in New York could come and see the story. He was, he utilized social media really well. You know, he got out there on social media and talked to people about it and got people excited about it. I mean, the first place I heard about it was they, they weren't even on Broadway yet. They were still back at the public theater and I saw it um, on Tumblr. It was really getting a lot of excitement and attention and places like Tumblr and Reddit and the places where people are talking about new things, where young people are talking about new things. So using social media, I think was a really exciting thing. And Ham for Ham, I just like, what a genius move. Um, I remember remember back in 2015, every Wednesday, I think it was Wednesdays, maybe Tuesdays. I think it was Wednesdays though. Every Wednesday I was logging on to watch the latest ham for ham performance. Like who's going to show up? What's going to happen? And for anybody that wasn't involved in that time period. So what ham for ham was is once a week, he would get outside with some of his cast members or he would bring in guests from um, pop culture or other Broadway shows. Uh, You know, he brought in folks from Phantom of the Opera or um, Andrew Reynolds from uh, Book of Mormon, just lots of other musicals that were around, names that people would know. And they've performed some little five-minute skit or song or... uh, rap contest or whatever, some little thing they would perform outside the doors for like five minutes. And then he would do a drawing uh, and and people of New York just showed up to watch this. It was amazing. Um, and then he'd do a drawing for $10 tickets that the public could, could try to get to. So really made it accessible. You know, you could watch all of these ham for ham for ham things online every week. Um, no matter where you were in the country, you could show up if you were in New York and just enjoy that, even if you didn't have tickets to the show. So, yeah, I think he was he was brilliant at making it accessible and bringing in young people, new audiences, the public just just did a great job about building excitement for it. And, you know, people that don't even like musicals watched Hamilton because of all that buzz and because of all that excitement and, and fell in love with it. So I think it's, you know, the music, the diversity, the clever um, casting um, that makes just relatable and accessible for, for everyone. Um, And I hope it brought lots of, lots of new people to, to my favorite form of entertainment. (laughs) And then Susie. I mean, Hamilton was just, I found like I found out out about it like through Tumblr initially because people were like, "Oh, because um, I knew that Lin-Manuel was working on something, but I wasn't like completely sure what." And I kind of felt like 
I was taking one of my like musical theater breaks <laughs> because sometimes I, I get like a little bit like um like overcharged with some stuff, like a little overwhelmed with some stuff that I that I like even, and then I need to take breaks from them for a little bit to like recharge, get the zest back, jump into it like fresh and new. And it was during one of my breaks, and actually it was on Tumblrwind, and I was like, oh wait, this is this new thing he's working on. And then I I looked up all the stuff for it, and I, I read all the things. <laughs> that was really that was really excited for it, and actually. I love how um, kind of like accessible the musical is to to everyone because I've, I've heard his musical like s- song uh, sing choice be referred to as like sing talky and in a and in a way and I've heard it referred to in like a negative aspect but I feel like that's kind of a really big like positive. Is, uh, for him and like for the songs and the music that he writes especially because in a way that makes it like more accessible for people to like enjoy and for people like like for like for example like with songs within the heights and in hamilton that some of them have like a very like sing talky aspect so even if you aren't like the world's like best singer if you wanted to sing it you could still conceivably do it and still have it sound like, still have that rhythm and have it sound good. And you can even see it in some of his other, in some of the other work that he's done, like with the song from Moana, like You're Welcome, from um, the Mary Poppins. And I I feel like he might be doing something similar or might slip in something similar for the Little Mermaid film that he's working on. But it's just, just, but it's, and like Judy said, like you can really see his growth with with Hamilton, because like he often said that sometimes it would take him like a year or two to write a single song, but he was like, I but to him it was like a, a, a labor of love because he said I needed to get this right, and it's kind of also really funny to hear what stuff uh, inspired him to write certain songs. Like, I think one of the funniest stories surrounding Hamilton is that. Um, like the very popular song, like Dear Theodosia, that when he and Burr sing to their respective children, um, someone asked him, like, oh, how old was your song when you wrote that? Because that is really so sweet. <laughs> and, he, and he said to, and he responded with, yeah, my son, my son wasn't even born. I, I wrote that when we adopted our dog. <laughs> and as like a dog mom herself, I'm like, yeah, I can see myself doing that. Just like writing, <laughs> writing that's like a, a sweet, gentle song about that. Like, yeah, I could see that. I got you, man. You got me there. Um, but it just, um, and also, like, I really like how the musical really has, like, all these different, like, kind of, like, genres of music in it almost. Because you have, like, the slow, like, sultry songs. Um, and then you have, like, the really big like involved cast numbers you have like you have the kind of like with King George you have like the really big like stereotypically Broadway numbers is like like with his parts and you have jazz and you have hip-hop and you have rap battles in the musical I mean how fun is that and it just it does really appeal to like a younger audience and it's such like a 
gets just its impact and and again I love how like involved he was with like getting it out there and and like having this be like a really big success and this is this isn't to say that in the heights didn't have a great big like that it didn't do well but there wasn't as much attention around it as what's around Hamilton now so I mean and again, that also showcases some of his growth because even like he could see like, okay, this is, so this is what we, so this is what happened within the Heights. Okay. I can learn from that and like put myself out there more, put my show out there more, get people involved and excited. Like the, I don't know if other, other shows probably do this, but the fact that he had the, the Hamilton lottery, we could get tickets for, for I think about $10. I hadn't really seen that done elsewhere. And a fun thing about that is I think apparently like due to the success that Hamilton had from doing that, I think other shows then started offering that option as well. It's like, oh, come join the lottery. And (laughs) And if I remember correctly, those were like really good seats. So he was giving like the young, enthusiastic um, crowd those like good front row seats to get that interaction with the cast to get the excitement going in the crowd. Cause sometimes, you know, the rich people that get the expensive seats are like golf clap, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so to like, get the, to get the woo people yeah. in the front is kind of really cool. <laughs> yeah. Like the people that are really like, not to say anything you mean about the 1%, but to say something to mean about the 1%, some of them it's like, Oh, just throw some money at it so they can shut up for an afternoon. Yeah, but it's just like, another thing for them. Yeah, where somebody yeah. who doesn't have the money to go but wins a ten dollar ticket, how excited yeah, are that, they going to be? Yeah. yeah, that means like so much to them, and in yeah. turn, that can lead to them like getting the word out to like their friends and family, people that they know that like, hey, I really I got this awesome opportunity to see this amazing musical. You can too. Let's get it. And like, it's just it's it. I really love like how like how he was able to get to do that and get people more involved. And it's really fun to see like how excited people got for even like the people that we would consider celebrities. Like, I think there's like in um, the, Oh, I forget his name. The guy who played King George. Jonathan Groff. Yes. Love him. (laughs) He did something for my gish team. So oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so cool. yeah, yeah, one of my but, Gish team um, members knew him, so he did a couple <laughs> things for us for Gish. So he's he's always in my heart. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. But yeah. um I remember him saying and he was like doing an interview somewhere and they asked him, like, Oh, what are the what are the celebrities that you've met like through the show? And and I think he said once that like Beyonce asked him how to do the King George walk. <laughs> And he was like, I was coaching Beyonce. Oh my God. It's just <laughs> like, not, not even just seeing how like the show impacts other people, but how the show has impacted the people that are in it themselves. Like Divi Diggs, he, who played um, Thomas Jefferson in the original production and the filmed um, production. He said that, oh yeah, I've, I was never really into musicals before, but I thought I'd, I'd give this a shot, see how it went and, and how like that really like, put him into the spotlight a lot more and now he's doing like all these different like works that he is like if you haven't seen him in Snowpiercer he is freaking great in that (laughs) it's like it's so good and even um 
Oh God, like uh, Emily de Ravine, who I think is his girlfriend now. She was also like part of the cast. Uh, one of she was one of the dancers in the original Broadway show, and now she's like she's out there doing like all these fabulous things, like um, like the Umbrella Academy and all this really cool other stuff. And just I love and like Philippa Sue, how she's <laughs> she's it helped launch careers. These, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like. And I really love how it's put these like really I think like deserving actors in, in like put them in the spotlight and giving them a chance to like do more stuff and be more representation for their community because I think that's just I think that's really cool and that's really great that like Lynn has been able to do that and how even and how he's also used the show as like a force for good like with like when um the like with what happened in Puerto Rico and like all the disaster there and how he was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be back as, as Alexander, all proceeds are going to go to charity, come out, support, please do what you can. And how he's like able to get cast members together to like re-record songs and release them and release them. And the, money, the proceeds gathered go to charity as well. And I, I think it's really great how he's been able to take this success and like, gear it towards something positive and something good and I just I really I haven't really seen that done before with other shows and I just I think that's so great and it really kind of sets the example hopefully <laughs> for other shows to follow for them to be like more accessible and more involved with like, with newer and younger audiences as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I was saying, you know, it's okay to critique, but we need to be careful we don't cancel somebody like Lemon Miranda, who's doing great work <laughs> for good. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's no, I mean, there's really no denying that. And there's no denying the impact that this had. And that's why I think people went in the Heights wasn't a success. I think that's why it took people by, some people by surprise because of the fact that Hamilton is such a huge success and so big. I mean, I don't have very much to add on to the um, impact or anything. Cause I think both of you covered that very, very well, but yeah, it did. It launched careers. It changed the way people view musicals. I think um, it, you know, I mean, it was political at the same time too. I mean, of course it's about politics, but it didn't shy away from that. And of course, famously, of course, when Mike Pence went to go see it, and, um, of course, the cast breaking that wall and wanting him to listen to them. And he really wasn't open to that, of course. But th that kind of stuff where you are using art for not only to entertain, but for good and for making a difference and for making a change. And that's what some of the best art can do is have some kind of impact and say something um, and leave everybody uh, wanting more from those people, from the people involved, from the people who created it, from everyone. And that is definitely what he did with this. And, you know, I think it was like within the Heights was his freshman effort. You know, it's just, it was a stepping stone into this. And I, you know, I think you can't deny how much of an impact he has had on other things as well. I do think, think it's probably had people look at um, theater a little bit differently 
especially with doing like those $10 days and, and looking at how um, theater is not accessible to a lot of people. And then of course, when it came out on Disney plus, you know, I don't have a Disney plus subscription as I've mentioned before, but I did sign up for a trial um, just to watch Hamilton and then got rid of Disney plus right after. But I know even through that, it was a big, huge success. Um, you know, the fact that you got to see a recording of it and the Broadway production where, like you were talking about Susie earlier, where it is important for people to have access to that. And yes, this is Disney plus. So it is making money and it's not the same thing as free access. I'm not saying that, but it still, I think, opened up the door to have people have a broader access to it that may not have had an access access to it before. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. It was a phenomenon. I think it's still a phenomenon. I mean, we talked about it last summer when we just talked about musicals because we were going to be talking about him last summer, but then In the Heights got pushed. So, yeah, I I mean, there's just no denying it. There are just certain musicals and certain um creators that just have that thing that I don't think it's trained. I don't think it's taught. It's just they're born with some kind of gift and they end up sharing it with the world and it has an impact on people. And I think he's definitely one of them for sure. So I want to talk about that a little bit, the impact we've already talked about the cultural impact and everything, but what do you think the impact of in the Heights and Hamilton and just Lin-Manuel Miranda in general has had on theater and musical theater, Judy? Yeah, well, for one, it really set the bar high. I mean, especially Hamilton. Um, I mean, like, you know, like we talked about, it's so much more mature and um, even the music is so much more complex. Um, I remember reading some, some stuff about it where, like, if you really delve into the music, like he did stuff like he put, for example, uh, whenever Thomas Jefferson was singing his song, you know, when he first got back from France or um, of course, King George, both of them, like he even used older style music to show that, you know, the world's kind of moved on without you. You got to catch up. Um, Or when Hamilton first meets his three buddies, their rap is very like 1980s rap sounding. And then all of a sudden Hamilton bursts in with these complicated, new, exciting um, rap. So like even stuff that is so nuanced like that, that you wouldn't, wouldn't observe or, um, you know, at, at first viewing, when you really think about it, like he really set the bar high, you know, the, the, with what he did with the music and everything. Um, as far as the cultural impact, I think it's interesting that Hamilton is being used to teach history in schools. Um, I'm a little ambivalent about that one because he got a lot wrong. <laughs> you know, I mean, he told the gist of the story, but he left a lot out. Like there was a, you know, there was a potential romance um, that a lot of people believe happened uh, between Hamilton and Lawrence. Or George Washington's real right-hand man wasn't Hamilton. It was a out gay man um, that gets completely erased from history. And this out gay man used to have sex parties with the soldiers. And two of the soldiers that reported directly to him were Hamilton and Lawrence. So there's just like a whole lot of 
potential there that, you know, that there was some, there's an LGBT story that likely is just left out of history. He glossed over slavery. Um, he touched on it a little bit here and there, but all of these men, almost all of them, except for John Lawrence, really owned slaves and were, you know, pretty awful in that regard. Um, so he just kind of glossed over that. And he made up the whole story of the love triangle, like just didn't exist. Um, I mean, there was a love triangle, but it probably wasn't <laughs> with two sisters. It was probably John Lawrence. So I'm a little concerned about it being used to teach history. But, you know, if it gets people interested in history, I suppose that could be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Also now, you know, people that, and I'm absolutely one of them, did not know um, what Hamilton contributed to our country. I did not know how brilliant he was. I didn't know that he was an immigrant. Um, I just knew that he was a name and a founding father and he was on the $10 bill. And he's going to stay on the $10 bill because of the musical. <laughs> like he, they were planning to remove him. So definitely some big uh, cultural impacts um, there, not just on the musical world, but on, you know, general, you know, population. You know, we, we know more about this man and what he contributed to our, um, our history because of, because of a musical. It's pretty great. Susie. Yeah. Um, to, <laughs> to kind of like piggyback off of Judy's whole, like it's being used to teach um, history in schools. It is, and this is a really funny story. Um, my my uh, my history teacher <laughs> really went off on this musical and was like, "That is a work of fiction. That's not real. That didn't really happen." Like she like she like dissected the thing, and I was like, "Oh, she's going off." And then at a certain point, like during the lesson, this girl piped up, and I felt really bad for her because. Uh, she said, oh, yeah, um, so actually when it comes to the whole, like, duel thing, Burr's son killed Hamilton's son in a duel. <laughs> you could hear, like, the record scratch in the room, like, I swear to God, because, number one, Burr never had a son, or at least not that we know of. He had Theodosia, his daughter, his only kid, and it was just like, no, it wasn't, and just, oh, this, oh. But he wasn't oh. her, his son in the musical either, so that was I totally know. made up on that girl's part. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I was like, girl, what musical, what musical did you watch, girl? Day, you get that? <laughs> I know. I was like, oh my god, and then oh, but yeah, it's it's kind of stuff like that that creates sort of like misinformation, like even when it comes to like history, because I, again, we're I'm going back to the fandom thing that I've talked about in previous episodes is that the Hamilton fandom is also very rabid and kind of weird. Like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> weird. It's one I of mean, the a weirdest... lot of fandoms are. I yeah, mean, it's one the of majority the weirder... Are. Like, it's one of the weirder fandoms I've seen where it's like they treat everything... Like, listen, I like Lynn, but he's human. He has faults. He's like, <laughs> we talked about this. But they treat him... As a good, it's like fan is short for fanatic for a reason. He is God, and the playbook is the Bible. Like that, like 
it, it's kind of worrying. And also, I oh my god. Okay, so a while back, some friends and I we had this thing over. We would share some like really out there fan fictions, and for a while, most of it was like really. It, okay, the fans in Hamilton, they get kind of weird with their fan fictions, like uncomfortably so. This is not to like yuck on anyone's yum, but it was it's it was kind of like oh my god, maybe we we shift gears here, please, please. This is okay. I don't, I don't want to get into it too much because oh my god, I have like Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> I've never Vietnam read any flashbacks. Hamilton fanfic. I haven't so, either. I didn't. I mean, but I, I can just imagine. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read any musical fanfic ever. So yeah, that's. I'm, I mean, I'm in it. now I want to go search for some because <laughs> within the fandom, there's this thing they have of either shipping Hamilton with Thomas Jefferson or George Washington. That's and weird. It, it gets weird, man. <laughs> it gets it's weird, weird man. <laughs> it's when when Alex and John Lawrence is right there. <laughs> no, okay. So in so, most of the fandoms, they usually like kill him off to make room for either of the two, or they just um. like go like completely obscure them all together. But it's also it was oh god. I, I, if there was like, ever, I need a neuralizer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. Is there a lot of like just fanfic just about Lynn? Because I uh. mean, it seems like probably his fans might even be this in the same. I don't. Okay. Susie is. I'm not a real person is, fiction. I me, so but probably. I'm not. Curious. Yeah. <laughs> like I personally am not, but they're. There are particularly a lot of like, like if, if you guys seen the ones that are like reader and so and so. Oh, I don't like those either. Yeah, I don't. I don't really like those. But yeah, it depends. There's, there's, I've read some that are actually really good. Yeah. Some of them are really good. I don't really like them, like to read them a lot. But when I come across some of them that are good, I'm like, oh, this is a really good work of like fiction and stuff. But but those, oh my god. So some people just, are having some 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 very X-rated thoughts about Lynn, huh? Lynn, you ever hear this? We're sorry. I know. <laughs> the disrespect to his wife. I am so sorry, Vanessa, that you had. To... Oh my god! I thought maybe you just meant reader insert and Hamilton, because I mean, <laughs> no, they go Lynn. for Lynn. They go like, like <laughs> for the. <laughs> And not to say that he's not an unattractive he's, he's man. He's an attractive man. He's yeah. a very also, attractive man. There's a certain line. Like, they drew the line in the sand and let the wave wash it away. Like, that's what's I think it's a very young fandom. It is. And that's what's even more concerning. Like, so... granted, I will also like like a, a man who is older than me. Mm-hmm. But, not, but as a prepubescent, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't doing that. <laughs> As a, as a child, I was like, oh my god, you're introducing yourself to you. But it's like a it's not much of an age gap. But it's like, this is a 40, I don't know, 40 year old man. You are 13 years old. Please stop. Yep. Please. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not we're not gonna get into that because that's going into another thing. But um yeah. but yeah, yeah, that's like, it, it's that's stuff like that that I'm like, I'm concerned for this child. Well, we will not be covering any of these fanfics. <laughs> no, <laughs> please don't make me go back there. 
no 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 <laughs> don't make me go back <laughs> no don't worry i have a feeling most of the fanfics we're going to end up covering are going to be supernatural related i might try and branch out a little bit but <laughs> I, I, can, I can deal with those a little more but in in, in that case in the, oh god anyway to like veer back onto <laughs> I think it's really awesome how like the overall success of this musical has has hopefully and most likely opened up um, kind of like the different like musical styles that can be explored within musicals and not all have it be like kind of the same like show toony kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, like hopefully it like inspires like the, the success of this and like the interaction and the impact that it's had. Like hopefully inspires more people to like to to like to get their stories out there and to and to not be afraid to shake things up because that's how oftentimes we are brought like new and wonderful things. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that the way that he recorded it, you know, with the original cast, he he when he recorded it, he said he didn't even know what he was going to do with it. He just wanted it on record. I'm I'm hoping that that and the way that he ended up publishing that later inspires other musicals like hey we should we should do this too which will then in turn inspire more people to get involved with musicals and to see it as it's not just a thing meant for a certain group of people that it's meant for everybody so i think that's very important too i am going to be curious to watch him directing tick tick boom which uh will be that later this year i'm saying this year is like musical overload there are so many musicals coming out i mean you have that you have dear evan hansen you've got um steven spielberg's west side story and so you've got all these musicals coming out this year but it will be interesting to see him directing one i know when the little teaser trailer came out there was so much backlash about that teaser trailer i was like seriously this is like 10 seconds practically i mean i think it was like a minute uh, and they were like, yeah, you can tell that maybe he's not good at directing, you know, movies or directing. I don't know. I'm like, you can't really tell that, in my opinion, from that one minute. And it got me excited. I was like, I want to see this. But a lot of people are also like, well, it's a little bit too much behind the scenes kind of thing. Like, um, you know, because it's so much about somebody creating a musical and writing a musical. And they're like, it's too much about that. And it won't be accessible to everybody. But We'll see, because that's on Netflix, so that'll be a little bit different judging as far as, like, how successful that is. But I just ditto everything both of you said. And the teaching it in schools and missing certain things is kind of troublesome. I mean, I think it's awesome on one hand to be using it as a tool as long as there are other things being taught on top of it or or corrections being made or showing and going, well, actually this also happened or adding this on, um, I think is important because I think it's an interesting tool to use to have maybe people get more interested in the subject of history as long as they're actually looking at the reality of history too. So that's where it would get troublesome and stuff. But I do think that's interesting. That I, I hadn't really heard that, that it was be, being used to teach in school. Yeah, which, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that should be, like we've mentioned before, that the documentary um, 13th on Netflix should be taught in every school about the 13th Amendment. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I think if you are teaching it, I think maybe they should have like a book or something that goes along with it saying, well, actually, this is what happened here or we this was left out or, you know, stuff like that. Or this was embellished or something um, just so that kids are getting a more accurate um, overall read on the situation and on history, because we do forget about history a lot. And I think it's one of the most neglected things in school next to art. I think art is actually pretty neglected as far as funding. But with history, I think it's neglected in the fact that people don't really want to learn it a lot. I think people find it boring or um, doesn't interest them because it's history. It's over. <laughs> they don't see how it applies to them. Yeah, exactly. No. But, and it does. Yeah. But people yeah. don't see that. So, yeah. But I think Did this musical think actually so? kind of brings modern mm -hmm. people stylings um, yeah. situations to history. So it can maybe make people understand, hey, those guys if, a couple hundred years ago aren't that different than I was, than I yeah. am. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. but also like with that, it's like to any, here's my challenge to anyone who says, like, oh, history is so boring. It's not interesting. Look at something that you like like a hobby or an interest and take a peek into like the the history of it and you'll find out some really fun and interesting stuff i'm about to drop something like i'm about to drop a bomb for the listeners about one of the founding fathers as well benjamin franklin was in a sex cult yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> he was he was he was a dirty old geezer and it is entertaining as heck I think it was called the Hellfire Club. Yeah, he got he went in. He Wait, where's him. where's that where's that mind flash thing? <laughs> I, know. Yeah. I think I need it. I'm gonna no. look this up. The Hellfire Club. Oh, yeah, I, I think it's that. I think he, I think it's called the Hellfire Club, and it was oh my god, like they got involved with some stuff. Oh my goodness, <laughs> a lot of. I can see a lot of, that might not be taught in history class, but it's still I mean, an interesting it's, tidbit. It's fun and interesting. Like, it's a lot of like general origami, like well, that would going true. on there, <laughs> which is like, oh my God, but stuff like that. And you're like, oh my goodness, I did not know this about the founding fathers. Usually you think of like, they're being stuffy. all stuffy of and course. just yeah. like prim and proper, but it's well, like, it's, there's a lot. It's really yeah, funny yeah. to find out stuff like that. I like telling that to people randomly. Like, did you know that Benjamin Franklin was in a sex cult? No. I mean, these guys, they were young and... and I was going to say they were young. Viral. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what word am I looking for? No, no. Here? It wasn't he even... Was, you know? He wasn't even in it when he was young. Yeah. It's like he when he was older. Man. But a funny thing is that, like, he, he wrote a letter to one of his friends that basically said, if you're looking for a lover... Look for an older woman because she's going to have more life experience. I mean, it's she's, not wrong. Well, that's nice. <laughs> Which I thought was like, good for you, Benjamin. Supporting MILFs. Good on you, man. Get it out there. Great. Oh, well, I love it. We're going to do a whole ep. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Next up, MILFs. Milton, you. <laughs> I was gonna say we're going to do a whole episode on the sex cult, but we're not really. Yeah, <laughs> it's Milfin time. It's I have to say that the, the American education system, like, you know, we're talking about it. Oh, my God. It's such a travesty at times. My son's um, AP English teacher taught them the um, Canterbury Tales by letting them watch A Knight's Tale because Jeffrey Chaucer 
was a character in it. Like, I shit you not, that's how they learned that subject. See? It's, I, it's... I can't roll my eyes hard enough. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. Like, most of the history that I learned was me having, like, these little weird, like, hyper fixations growing up and, like, being, oh, I want to learn more about this one subject. I'm going to learn everything about it. So eventually it got to the point where I would be in class and I, and I would just like sit there doing nothing because I already knew everything and more about what they were teaching me. And they would just like go over like the, the surface. Very highlight. Like, yeah. Like skim it. Like the barest of details. And it'd be like, but don't you want to talk about this? There's more stuff. History can be interesting if you really get into it. When it's about people and not just about dates and numbers and yeah. time, you know what I mean? When when it's really about the people and you understand their drives and who they were and what they were doing and how it affected them, it's really fascinating. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what my history teacher did. Um, after eviscerating Hamilton, she encouraged <laughs> us to like get out there and find out mm. history that really interested us and it was really good and involved and I definitely Sounds like a good one. Yeah, I yeah. definitely. I was gonna say, I definitely recommend that. Like, if you ever had, some people have had bad experience with history in the past, <clears throat> mostly because to the teachers, not anything against them, but some of them they're a little bit like, all right, here's a textbook, and I go, go read it and write me a ten-page paper. But it's like, no, there's so much more to like get involved with, and like, there's so much interesting history in your backyard too. Just go, go down to, like a local area in your place and. Look at the history behind it. Local you'll museum. Find some, you'll yeah. find something cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I was very, I went to an alternative high school. I went to a more arts focused high school, but my <clears throat> history teacher taught us, she taught us the history of Native Americans, which is never taught um, and extensively. So that was, she found that was more important than other things. So that was pretty cool. I mean, she had a whole class that was just devoted to that. And so that was really important, I thought. But yeah, yeah, definitely we need to do better with education. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up. But I want to thank both of you. I think this was a good conversation. We might revisit musicals later this year as maybe some bonus thing. I don't know. Our schedule is so packed that it might not happen. But And we are going to be talking about rent at some point. I overbooked scheduling and all this stuff and we couldn't get it because um, Aaron was supposed to be on it and she has a very tight schedule this weekend and we couldn't, we all had tight schedules. So apologies that we didn't get to rent. We will get to that though. I'm going to look and see where we can squeeze it in later this year because that is supposed to be done this year because of the anniversary. So we are going to do that at some point. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll do a quick review of, of tick, tick, Boom, when that comes out, maybe. I don't know. Uh, West Side Story, probably a not. quick review. <laughs> I know. I say that when, when we did, <laughs> I know. When we did, um, um, what, what you would call it? How am I forgetting? Army of the Dead. When we did Army of the Dead, that turned into a three-hour discussion about that movie. I'm like, I don't know how we can talk about this movie for three hours, I mean, but it happened. We derailed the train of it with the with the zombie pregnancy. Yes, but that was the best. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> how to race those? They, I mean, we we defeated Zack Snyder with the length. I mean, <laughs> we're like, take that, Zack Snyder. Yeah, a two brute. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so we're going to go ahead and close out and have everyone say where they can be found if you want to be found. Well, I know both of you want to be found, so never mind. I shouldn't say that. But <laughs> Judy, where can you find you? Um, I'm on Tumblr at Angels Watching Over. Um, Instagram at uh, Ballroom Blitz Geek. All one word, both of those. Awesome. Thank you. And mm-hmm. Susie? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at SusieQ underscore SC. There's an extra underscore for the Instagram. And you can find my dog's Instagram at Benny underscore Pelucita. So that's B-E-N-N-I-E underscore P-E-L-S-U-I-T-A. I always have to remember how to spell that in my head. So I'm like, I'm like, did I get all the letters? Okay. <laughs> That's a bingo score. Bingo square now is spelling out your social media handles. <laughs> People spell them out so much. Well, I mean, so, you know, sometimes it makes sense. Gotta, if it's not, not only like for yourself, but for thing. others. Yeah. If it's yeah. something you're not going to know how to instantly spell or if it's something that's spelled differently, it makes sense. So, yeah. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. And once again, I'm a little bit more active on there because not only is Carla still watching Queer as Folk, but she started watching Bates Motel. And I also love Bates Motel. And she loves Dylan. So she's made up for all of her hate against Brian with just liking Dylan. So I'm back to having fun on that Twitter account. You can follow the show's Twitter account at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. Uh, like us on Facebook at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. Wait, sorry. <laughs> facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on instagram at it's a fandom thing pod if you would like to be involved in our upcoming horror trivia event please reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com and that's just if you want to be involved if you're a creator if you're a horror podcast and you want to potentially be on one of the trivia nights that's not for if you want to be a contestant if you want to be a contestant that's going to open august 1st there will be a video going over all the rules, um, a couple of things like this is not going to be a free event just to preface that because there's, it just won't be, but you're going to get something for what you contribute. So don't worry, you are going to automatically get something. Um, But so there'll be information about that and how you'll be able to save if you become a subscriber to the show. So, (laughs) so lots of cool information coming up on that. That's going to be a very exciting long event that I think will be a ton of fun. It'll involve getting dressed up too. So costumes and so many different genres. It's just going to be a ton, a ton, a ton of fun. So on our next episode next week, uh, we are going to be talking about international entertainment. So films, TV shows, all that stuff. We're going to be talking about some of our favorites. So it's going to be a mishmash of different things. That'll probably be over two episodes because we're going to do a top 10. So usually those end up being longer. So we'll probably be two episodes. And that's the only thing we're going to be covering next week. We are not doing a live stream. It's just not happening. So we're going to be holding off on that for a couple of weeks. Our next live stream is actually going to be an interview. So that'll be in a couple of weeks and that'll be a lot of fun. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Thank you again for listening to It's a Fandom Thing. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. 
Our logo was designed by Brooke Belly with cover art by Carla Timmies. Additional research was done by Megan Archuleta. Our Instagram and Facebook content producer and creator is Erin Amos. And our producer is Lila Tafola. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe. And remember, keep that fandom spirit alive.